Good morning, church. Oh, that's a nice day outside. I so look forward to spring that we are in and summer ahead. Um, you know, I'm going to start this morning uh, with a bit of truth, which is always good from a, a pastor in the pulpit, eh? Um, this week, actually the last couple of weeks, I was preparing for the sermon, and I found that as, uh, as time drew closer near, I, I talked with Pastor David a couple of times and, and had some thoughts, uh, what I felt God was giving me to share with you. And then as time grew closer, uh, started getting a little bit like, okay, God, I, I hear you, but specifically, what, where's, I get it, but where's this going? Right up till I think yesterday morning, I woke up like, okay, God, <laughs> tomorrow morning I'm speaking. Uh, could we get specific? To last night at midnight, and I woke up this morning, five in the morning, and uh, he gave me a little bit of peace. So I, I'm not going to say this is going to be like a typical three-point sermon with the, the humorous opening and the, the dramatic closing, but I'm going to share with you what the Holy Spirit's given me to say. And if you're willing to receive it, if you're willing to hear it, he's going to impact your life and the lives of people that come into contact with you because it's his word. Are you excited about that? Amen. Amen. Pastor, David, Pastor David spoke last week about process. It was a really good sermon. If you haven't heard it, check it out. I asked Justin, he said it, he thought it was online. Um, and in the process, sorry, I'm smacking my lips here. I was eating a mint a second ago. Uh, if you're eating, or uh, eating. <laughs> you spoke about process, okay? There is a few things that he said. That God is aware of your situation. That instead of trusting the process, we trust God in the process. That there are times when you need to get through something to get to something. And the principle he gave out of all of it, does anybody remember what it was? There we go. Don't give up. Don't give up. Did anybody hear that again a couple of times this morning? Don't give up. Don't give up. You know, the theme of the, of the message series uh, was process. And process implies change. It implies movement, direction. And I was thinking, I don't think necessarily as a church we, we have an identity crisis. But I wonder if we, when we look at the church, what do we see? What do you see? I mean, do you look at our congregation and see it stop at our walls? Do you see those you pass in churches in the streets who call Jesus Lord as your brothers and sisters? What do you see when you consider the church? What do you think God sees? I mean, he's always looking, to be honest. 
When he looks at you, the people sitting around you, the churches that surround our neighbors, our homes, our businesses, our schools, what does he see? I mean, if you ask people, they'll tell you what they think. A lot of times it's the flaws. They can be easy to find. And it seems we often notice the litter more than we notice the landscape. And there are many who want to kind of shove our noses in like a puppy being trained. That's what religion takes you. Bad dog. But what does God see when he looks at us? I mean, it's not new. When God looks at you, the people around you, the people of God, what does he see? The Bible's full of it. Full of things that talk about the goodness that God sees in, in his church. I want to read a couple of little things here. But you've come to Mount Zion, to the heavenly Jerusalem, the city of the living God. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly, to the church of the firstborn, whose names are written in heaven. You've come to God, the judge of all men, to the spirits of righteous men made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. That's in Hebrews 12. In Revelations 21, he says, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them. I'm going to go there for a second, because there's a whole long passage. I'm going to skip a couple parts here. One of the seven angels in verse 9. This is Revelations uh, 21. One of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues came and said to me, Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to a mountain great and high. And showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. It shone with the glory of God. And its brilliance was like that of a very precious jewel, like jasper clear as crystal. And he goes through and gives some descriptions of the city. He gets to verse 22. He says, I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and the Lamb is its lamp. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. On no day will its gates ever be shut, for there will be no night there. The glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it. Nothing impure will ever enter it. Nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. In Song of Solomon, he also says something else. All beautiful you are, my darling. There's no flaw in you. See, God looks at you, his church, in a way that we often miss. And not just as a congregation, but as his church, which is something glorious. I mean, it's not just now. It's not just in this time period. If you think about it, the picture of the church and revelations that they give of the redeemed, the people of God, spread across the ages, spread across time, spread across continents, 
altogether, the people the redeemed of God. It's a pretty spectacular image. And you know what they're doing? They're singing the praises of the one who's redeemed them. It's a powerful image. Don't let anybody ever tell you less than what God has told of you. Now, what does this have to do with process? And we see where we are today. Instead, process implies change. Moving forward. The transformation that God does in that church, that is worked out in them, is worked out in you. We are the people who God works in and through to bring that about. That's by his Holy Spirit. It's by his power. It's by his works. But you guys are part of the change process. You, other Christians around you, a holy nation, a royal priesthood, a people of the living God. And how does this change take place? I was thinking about people in the Bible. There's a lot of great stories in the Bible. One character I thought of, person I thought of. don't want to say character. That sounds funny. <laughs> Though I guess it could be a character. But uh, John the Baptist. John the Baptist was a special guy. I mean, of all the different ministries that came about, he was pretty unique when you think about it. I mean, in his history, I'm sure most people are familiar, but Israel gets to a stage for about 400 years where they don't have a major prophet come along. They don't hear anything that way from the prophet speaking from God to the people. The silent years. And a, a priest who's going to do, by a lot, given a lot, time to do work in the priestly office of mestering, and actually a high priestly role at that moment for that one job, though it's not state-appointed because the high priest is state-appointed, but he goes to do this job, and he's visited by an angel who tells him, actually, you're going to have a child. Now, him and his wife are way too old to have a child. He struggles to believe this, so he stays silent and dumb. And so I probably like that for a little while, actually. <laughs> and uh, so they go through this process, and John's born. And the people marvel. They say, you know, what's this kid going to be like because of these events that occur? And John, even from birth, the Holy Spirit's with him, and he's sent into the wilderness. Right alone. Even just all that, this, this incredible beginning, that people are, are kind of buzzed, what's this kid going to be? Now, they've been waiting for the Messiah, by the way. They've had a few people that have come and attempted to be him. It's never worked out well. <laughs> they hear God coming and saying, this guy's someone different. But he's going to be leading the way to one coming. And John starts his ministry in the desert. He's baptizing at the Jordan, which is interesting because, see, with John, I see parallels with the church, between John and the church, but also there's some parallels between John and Israel. 
and he's choosing to baptize at the spot, or led to baptize at the spot, then the Old Testament marked the dividing line between the old and new generation in Israel. It was the Jordan River they crossed over into the Promised Land. And people are going there, getting baptized, and making a decision for God. A baptism of repentance is what John does. A decision. And he's led by the Spirit of God to do this. What's his character like? There's a little aside in the scripture we kind of gloss over really quickly and, and, and fail to realize. Jesus comes to him one day to be baptized. John says, whoa, no, you should baptize me. If you read the story, what we sometimes miss is at that point when he says, you should baptize me, he doesn't realize Jesus is the Christ yet. That comes when he baptizes Jesus and he sees the Holy Spirit descend on him. That's when the Holy Spirit said, you'll see who the Christ is. And he says, you know, I wouldn't know it till then. But he sees Jesus come along. He says, whoa, wait a second. Now, you've got to think about the context of this. 400 years, no one like this guy has been around. All of Judea, uh, the Judean countryside comes up to see this guy. Even the religious leaders, the Pharisees and Sadducees, are coming out to be identified with his ministry. They don't necessarily approve but they're men-pleasers. So being seen with him gives them something. Despite all of this, despite the incredible beginning, the angelic announcement of his birth, the fact that all Judas come out to see him, that God's doing something spectacular through him, he's willing to submit to someone who he sees more righteous than himself because his emphasis there is the work of God, not himself. That God's will be done trumps who John is. And so he will submit to someone that everybody else doesn't even know, but because he sees that that person's more righteous than I am. What does all this have to do with the church? We'll get there. John, I'm going to turn that for a second. You can turn to Luke, actually. Throughout the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, he talks about him. Luke kind of gives the most detail because it talks more about his birth and such. Luke 3. Now he's out there preaching. He even tells the religious leaders, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath. You know, on a little side, actually, I was thinking about that too. John's led the Holy Spirit, remember. It, if you're going to criticize ministry, 
It should only be the Holy Spirit that's criticizing. Not somebody else. That was why he did it. Um, sorry, I'm trying to focus here. You know what? Church, like John, his works were done to reveal Christ. That's what he said. That was the whole reason why he was there. He said, I didn't know what I was doing. I was following the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was the one who was going to show me what to do. So I did what he was doing. We're called to do the same thing. That glorious church that God sees, that's us. Following the Spirit of God. Producing the works that God's given us to do. The works that reveal Christ. What is it that you see? What is it that God stirred inside of you? What is it that God's shaking your heart towards? See, I, I'm, I'm confident right now. Maybe I'm wrong, but I think out of all history, right now, now is the time that we can, now is the time of our labor. Now is the time that God can go through. I mean, he can always go through us, and he will continue. But right now is a time when the church can have such impact. There are people all around us who are desperate for the truth of God. Now, they believe that they're not hungry, many of them, because that's what they've been told, that there's nothing to fill that. They're even told they're not hungry. And yet they're, they're scavenging everywhere they can find to fill that need inside. Church, we have the answer. How do you communicate it? How can you communicate it? I believe partly like John the Baptist through your works. The works that reveal Christ. And what does that look like? You tell me. What's the Holy Spirit telling you? If you want to have an impact, follow him. You want to reach the community, follow him. It, the wheel doesn't have to be reinvented here. We've been doing this for 2,000 years. There's been ministries that have come and gone. You don't have to start a new one necessarily. If there's one that doesn't exist, great, start it. If there's one that exists, go join it. But do what the Holy Spirit's called you to do because now the impact that, that can be had, the revelation of Christ that is so needed to the people around us is done by just people who, who go and do it. Not to give up. I mean, John the Baptist, he got put in prison. He lost his head eventually. Literally, like... He struggled with doubt, but he didn't deny his testimony. 
He didn't alter it. He proclaimed Jesus as the Son of God, and he stuck with it. He questioned. He didn't recant. The transformation that God does in and through the church is in part worked out in and through us. It's worked out in and through you. Do you want to see the Fraser Valley changed? Do you? See, I, I was thinking about, I think that the church in Acts, they changed the world. I don't think that was necessarily their intention. I think their intention was to follow Christ, to love God, to love others, to follow the Holy Spirit, and that was the fruit that was produced out of it. Their commitment to that, that I'm not going to give up, that this is the truth, where else am I going to go? This matters more than I do. His kingdom come, his will be done. The commitment to that, like I said, John the Baptist stepping aside saying, Christ, baptize me. Well, he said Jesus. He didn't recognize Jesus Christ yet, but Jesus baptized me. That the works of God would be done, that Christ would be revealed. Guess what? You can do that. Nobody can say you can't. Inside or out, around you. Nobody can say you can't do the works that God's called you to do, that the Holy Spirit is leading you to do, that the Holy Spirit is empowering you to do. There's not a limit, you guys. But the Holy Spirit wills to accomplish through us if we step out, if we go. Sometimes the guidance comes in the stepping. Not always the waiting. There's a time to wait. There's a time to move. I think now is the time to move. Can we move? Are you able to move? Corey, can you put the scripture up on screen for a second? Does Jesus dwell in his church? Does the church abide in him? Did he give us the Holy Spirit? Can we read this together? The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives and freedom to prisoners. Next verse. To proclaim the favorable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant those who mourn in Zion, giving them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of a spirit of fainting. So they will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Church, that's you. The spirit of the Lord God dwells in you. His anointing is upon you to do the works he's called you to do, to produce the fruit he wills, that Christ would be revealed. And if we step out, if we do it, Guess what's going to happen? You add one plus one, you get two. You step out, you do what God calls you to do. He's going to do what he said he's going to do. It's not about working harder. 
I mean, sometimes that kind of holds us back. Well, I'm so busy. I've got stuff to do. And you know what? Rally is a lot of us are busy. I know there's a number of people that are already doing what they can do. So it's not like I'm here to throw another burden on your back. But God knows you better than I do. What's he saying to you? What's he stirring in you? What's he calling you towards? He knows you. He knows what you're struggling with. He knows the limitations you think you have. He knows the burdens you bear, the responsibilities you carry. He, he sees that. In fact, he probably brought that to you. Listen to him. He speaks to you. Listen to what he's saying. Listen to the sound that's happening. We don't have to reinvent the wheel. We just have to follow. Go where he says. Do what he says. The rest of it, it, even the important parts, they take second place. John's ministry, second place. Right? Jesus said, seek first his kingdom and all these things will be added to you. There can be a cost. There can be some discomfort, even pain. But it really is only for a moment. And I don't say that lightly. I don't mean to make that seem like to anybody that is going through anything less than ideal or pleasurable. But what God has called us to is to produce fruits. There's a plowing involved usually with, with sowing. You know, I said if I had a five minute sermon, my children would be the first to say amen. They're not here. <laughs> this isn't going to be a long sermon, but I don't think it needs to be. See, this isn't about the speaker, and I respect the preachers. I honor the preachers. I think we have great preachers in this house, and I think we've got a number of them that we haven't even heard yet. And I'm looking forward to hearing them. But it's about the Holy Spirit. And it's about us hearing what was said. Because he's speaking to you. He wants to do something in and through you. He wants to increase what he's doing in and through you. Because there's a world to change. That he would be known and glorified. Amen? Yeah. Amen. How do we end this? <laughs> Vanessa. Amen. Is there anything that is stirring in somebody's heart? Now, I'm hoping it's everybody. Some of it 
some may be more aware than others. Is there something that God's been kind of touching in your life? Something he's not letting go of? A button he's pressing. Sometimes like, God, not now. Or God, I want to, but I don't know how. No doors seem open. The wheels are churning, but I'm still in park. Don't give up. Ask him. Listen to him. Even look for like-minded people who are already involved what God's called you to. Ask them. Get involved with them. Support them. You know, there's ministries out there, and I'm not going to get into all this, but people say, never join them. Look what they're doing. They're not doing it the way I would do it. Funny thing is, usually when I hear people say that, and I've been that in the past, to be honest. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to be a hypocrite up here. There's times in my life I said, well, I could do it a better way. Where was I? Where was I? Over the last while, I've met a couple of ministries that are having an impact in people's lives. Now, I've heard people complain about the ministries, and one I assume complained. I don't see the complainers involved. I see the people doing the best they can do, having an impact and an influence in people's lives, seeing lives changed. Practically, emotionally, I mean, there's, some, there's a whole lot of help out there that's needed. Like, really, there's an entire world beyond our doors of people with the same needs that we have all through life. And a lot of them don't know how to find answers to those needs. Things we take for granted, you guys. Like, anybody, people have families here? There's a number of people out there that got nothing. They have nobody. And they don't really believe they even have hope for connection with somebody because of what has happened in their lives before. Yeah, God calls out to us, move, because I love that person. Because maybe that person who somebody said there's no hope for them is going to be the person that ends up changing the valley or plays a key role in that. Nobody knew Jesus when Jesus stepped up to the plate. They knew John. They didn't know Jesus. John didn't even know Jesus the way he thought he did. But he stepped aside, was willing to step aside, so that God's will could be done, because that was the priority. We're going to pray. Father, thank you for who you are. And thank you for your great love and your great compassion. For your people, for the redeemed, and for those whom you're bringing to yourself, Lord God. And you're always bringing people to yourself. Lord, you see how we are and you see ahead and you see a redeemed, a glorious, holy, royal body who is awesome and whom you find no flaw and who you delight in and call your beloved, your bride. 
and who you rejoice in. And Lord, that transformation you're working out by the power of your Holy Spirit, you're doing in us and through us. Call to join you to see what you are doing, Lord, and to join you that you would do more through us. Not that you ever needed us, but because you delight to have us with you. To do what you will. To share joy with us in seeing your will done. You are awesome and wonderful, and we bless you. Lord, increase our desire. Forgive us of our sins. Draw us nearer to you. Open our eyes to the possibilities around us. Open our ears to your call. Grant us willing spirits, Lord God, to submit to your will and follow you where you lead, that your will would be done, that your kingdom come. Teach us to love like you love, Lord God. There is no one like you. You are the highest. And we're so grateful for who you are, Lord God. We know we need to be more grateful yet. And we thank you for your patience and your grace. As we get up, Lord God, as we move, lead us. I know you already are, Lord God, but help us. Help us to see that leading, to take that leading, to take the risk of stepping out. If it's a word to somebody, it's, if it's a physical action, Lord God, if it's a prayer, if it's anything, Lord God, that we can, that you can use to re reveal Christ in and through us, Lord, to the people that you love and are calling always calling. Please use us. We thank you for your faithfulness in Jesus' name. Everybody said.